The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, continuing with the topic of the second foundation of mindfulness, and repeating a little bit what I said in the meditation. So, the the four foundations of mindfulness. When you get to when we get to the second foundation, the practice, the activity that is being instructed, is that of knowing. Uh, pajanati, and uh, and uh, and it's a, and the way it's described how to know is to just know the simplicity of the experience itself. So, if if there's pleasure, know it as pleasure. If there's pain, unpleasantness, know it as unpleasantness. If there's neither, know it that way. And we'll see as we go through the other foundations. It's that simple. Just know whatever is arising, know what's there, and know it for itself without adding anything to it. And so the judgments we might have, the preferences we might have. Just to know. And this knowing is a very significant act. Just to know. And different people know different different ways. Some people are more cognitive. Some people are more somatic, knowing, kind of experiencing it. But whatever way you have of knowing, that knows it, allows each thing to be itself without the agendas and the preferences and the commentary, just to know. As if, um, as if you're allowing a flower in your garden to just grow and be there. Or you allow a tree to just be there and just look at the tree, you enjoy it, you appreciate it. But uh, it, you don't say, well, that branch is too crooked or too many, you know, something or other. It's just a tree and you allow it to be the tree. So the same thing with the natural, these are all kind of natural phenomena, whatever happens to us inside, and just see it as that of the moment. But the knowing is not only um, the purposes of knowing something, the knowing, the purpose is also to discover this place in the mind that can be that simple. That uh, that uh, sometimes we're very accustomed, almost habitually, to be reactive to the inputs, to the thoughts, whatever's going on, being for and against, searching how to be safe in every situation, searching what can we get here and how can it benefit me or how does this relate to me and myself and mine and my self-concept. And there's a constant searching, wanting, getting, making, uh, planning, reviewing that goes on that's a part of this reactive mind that we live in. And um, and so this uh, part of this uh, wonderfulness of this knowing is that uh, we're putting to rest that that way of being. We're emphasizing, we're, we're inhabiting a different way of being in the world, which is just to know. And that can create a tremendous amount of uh, calm and peace because we're putting energy into the knowing, not energy into the reactivity. This knowing has also the quality of uh, uh, kind of, because of this allowing, just letting things be, um, the knowing then begins to have feel qualities of spaciousness or peacefulness or stillness or uh, or acceptance or some kind of nice qualities uh, 
that uh, I like to think of it begins making room for things and makes rooms for that which inside of us which is shy uh, or that which is uh, easily eclipsed the, by what is loud. So what is loud oftentimes is, is desires, greeds, fears, aversions, resentments, envies. Um, uh, we have all these afflictive emotions which I think of as being surface phenomena and surface because they are reactive to the input that we get, the input from outside, but also input provided by the mind. The mind has imaginations and thoughts and memories that it drums up, and then there's the reactions to those. And because it has to do with um, the uh, reaction to input, it's more surfacy, but it's louder. Maybe on the surface it covers over. The hindrances are things that cover over the wisdom that's inside. And, um, and so what's quieter, maybe shyer in a sense, is that which gets eclipsed by the surface emotions, the reactivity. And it's that which is not reactive. It's that which exists for us that is independent of reactivity, of the input coming in. And um, so imagine, for example, that you... Um, you uh, cut yourself somehow. Maybe your finger gets cut. And um, maybe you're gardening and you're putting manure in the garden and somehow you get cut and there's dirt and manure on your finger and all that. And um, But then you just care, keep on working and working and then you go into the compost pile and you go in the outhouse to clean that out and you don't take care of your, your cut. And so it festers and gets infected and gets worse and worse. Um, but uh, if you can stop all the doing and clean it well and maybe cover it and protect it, then uh, something emerges from the whole physiological system we have to heal the cut. And it's a, lots of things get marshaled together inside of us in order to heal a cut. And um, it's not a simple phenomenon. It's just amazing how complicated it is. So in the same way, if we can um, not keep adding input from the outside all the time, but uh, clean uh, ourselves, cl- clear out uh, the, the, all the reactivity and the junk, the gunk that's there, and keep it clean, that allows a huge, beautiful, complex inner world to emerge and take care of things. It's not like nothing's in there uh, within us. We have a rich inner heart. We have a rich inner life that, give it a chance, will bubble up and begin to uh, do the work it does. It's healing and liberating and all kinds of things. And so, in this second foundation of mindfulness, the Buddha goes first. He says, first, if I may, I may, I'm interpreting now. Uh, well, first it says, no, what's pleasant as pleasant, know what's unpleasant as unpleasant, know what's unpleasant, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Just learn to make those distinctions. Learn to recognize that. Once you've learned to recognize that, that allows you to, and if you get more settled, to know that which is uh, pleasant because it belongs to the reactive world, and that which is pleasant because it belongs to this pla- that other place that's the non-reactive, it's the emergent word world from deep inside. And um, 
And so, as many people are so oriented when they sit down and focus on their body and their breathing, on the sensual world, and the sensual world is always the uh, the world that responds to input, the temperature, the comfort, the physical sensations that go on. And um, it can be wonderful and profound to do that. But there's another uh, world within, which is not, uh, it doesn't require input. In fact, it's almost like the less input we have, or the more the ground is cleared, um, uh, the more uh, something can grow there. And um, so a farmer who clears the field so the plants can grow. So what is it that can grow within us when we don't have input? And that uh, comes when we're quiet and focused and calm. It's primarily in Buddhism associated with meditation practice. It doesn't have to be only there. Maybe because there's a strong meditation tradition. That as we begin meditating and get calmer, more settled, more concentrated, that which is uh, more quieter, that which is not uh, reactive within us, but that which is emergent, can begin to flow, can move through us. And so at some point we want to be able to recognize that that's happening. And so for the Buddha, this was called um, uh, uh, what is uh, the, the, um, the pleasure which is not of the flesh and the unpleasantness that is not of the flesh. And I kind of like to translate it as worldly and spiritual, though uh, uh, some people can say physical or spiritual. Or, um, one translator has worldly and unworldly, which reminds me of some other location that's not even here, uh, the astral field or something. But uh, they call it unworldly. But uh, it has to do with something that um, is... Uh, um, uh, really uh, valuable as we move along the path of insight, path of mindfulness. That's something we begin to be attuned to, something that's usually eclipsed and hidden in our reactive, preoccupied mind. And so if we're always trying to navigate, negotiate the reactive mind, the mind that's all about input and rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, you know, everything's being has to be right and fixed and made made just right in the world, uh, and um, then we're missing the opportunity to become aware of some deep these deeper wellsprings, and these deeper wellsprings then become the reference point for um, uh, for this path of liberation that's being described in the four foundations of mindfulness. Uh, these deeper wellsprings of the emergent, of the non, of the spiritual, of the non-sensual, um, uh, in, in the non-sensual in the sense that it's impacted by uh, the sense doors are impacted by input from the outside. Um, uh, this this then creates a, a um, reference point, a foundation for the last two foundations of mindfulness. So we have this switch now in the four foundations of mindfulness and the a pivot from the mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of the sensual body, which has a lot to do with input. Like even if you, you know, dance, which is a beautiful sensual thing to do, the dancing is providing the input. And, um, and so I, I don't want to you know, say that the, the sensual is somehow less than or something, 
but it's different than this deeper, more spiritual place. Or uh, So here we're having a switch in Satipatthana from that which is of the body, that which is of the physical sens- sensuality, to now focusing on um, something that some people might call the mind, if the mind, the citta, which is you know, the whole inner landscape, but something deeper and more intimate and, um, and, uh, and um, that uh, is helpful for appreciating the path to freedom from suffering. So I hope that uh, this um, um, discussion about this distinction between of the flesh and not of the flesh um, is, uh, uh, gives you enough ideas uh, so you can kind of search in yourself, maybe for your own terminology of this distinction between these two, um, and your own way of finding uh, something inside that um, is not dependent on the conditions of the world or the, including the conditions of your ordinary body, but uh, belongs to some, the heart, the spirit, spiritual center, it belongs to the citta, the mind, belongs to some of the wellsprings within, uh, where the uh, deep reservoirs of peace and happiness uh, can be found. So, um, thank you. And... Uh, so next week I won't be here. I'm going off on retreat at IRC. And um, uh, happy to have Nikki Mergafori coming back. And she's done this a few times now, and I think people have really appreciated her. And I appreciate your your welcome receptive reception of her, your appreciation of her that I've heard from many people. And um, so and I'll be back on uh, the 7th of March. And uh, then we'll do uh, start with um, the third foundation, uh, these uh, uh, citta, this um, mind states or this inner life that uh, we're now beginning to point to. So thank you. <laughs>